Good morning. It's Bookshelf. This morning we will continue part two of our story entitled, Sometimes the Dreams are Dismal. In our first episode, Miss Larger had gotten married. We find her at her wedding. They're about to celebrate with the meal. They cut the cake together, arms entwined to feed each other their first marriage meal. This was a portent. She had hoped of times to come. Without looking, she had fed him the good. He had fed her the uck. That night, they both sat quietly. He sat in a chair by the window. She sat on the bed. The silence was an eerie kind of silence. It was the kind that speaks of fear rather than first night's romance. Slowly, he got up and came over to the bed she sat upon. Her body began to tense. Isn't this what I wanted? She thought to herself. Hadn't the books described this scene a thousand times? Where was the music? She thought, the feeling. Cree, he said softly. I know this is your first time. I promise you I won't hurt you. I love you, Cree, he said quietly. She remained motionless on the bed. Sharp, it's just, well, you know, it's the first time and I... He had softly put his hand to her cheek and started to caress it slowly. The sensation was new and strange. The feeling started in her stomach and began to slowly move up her back. She wanted to remove his hand, but she didn't. He pulled her up quietly with assistance. Slowly turning her shoulders to him, he could feel the rest of her yielding also. Bringing his hands up to her head, he pushed her hair back slowly. Pulling her ever so close to him, she then felt his body. Her entire body started to tremble. She started to step backwards, but the kiss on her dry lips wouldn't allow her to continue. She felt as if the floor was giving away. His lips on hers were sure, precise, and telling. The feeling of his kisses were strangely different than the buffs on her cheeks he had given her in the past. This kiss asked for more. She wanted more. She allowed no willed arms to encircle his neck. He too felt strange. He loved this woman. 
She was all he ever really needed. Slowly, she allowed him to pull the dress from her shoulders. The fallen garment made a rustling sound as if it refused to be released from her body. In the quietness of their room, in the stillness of their world at that moment, he pledged his love to her. They entered the bed together. Their hands felt all they could of each other in touching places once forbidden. Their kisses were surrendered to each other in a time-honored rhythm that only those in love would know. When she lay back on the bed and awaited him, she saw a small wet object emerge from the corner of his eye. She watched as it slid down his cheek, leaving a silver trail glistening. She reached up and touched it with her fingers, tasted it, and pulled him into her. They wept together. They shared together their joys, their bliss, and the unsurpassed bewilderment of the moment when all else in life finds its fulfillment in a moment wild and yet desirable. She cried aloud. He did too. And then it was over. As she lay there in her husband's arms while he slept, she felt a sensation of peace. She turned to look at him, kissing his forehead. He groaned slightly. The books were finally right, she thought. She prayed and went to sleep. The years passed. She was what some called a breeder, a name consigned to a type of animal for the continual bearing of their young. To her, she was blessed. The first child was a girl. They called her Prissy. Prissy was his accomplishment. The child was pretty. A pale white complexion, highly prized by them. Her eyes would twinkle when they tickled her small stomach. She would laugh and laugh. They loved her. She was Sharp's delight. All that made him feel worthy of being a man was wrapped up in Prissy. Sharp called her precious, while others would simply call her Prissy. A small difference, yet some men need to feel that they are different than others. She was the start of their generation. They had lived at first in a small two-room house. The toilet was outside in the rear of it. On cold nights, a bucket in the corner of the house became the extension of the outside toilet. When it was needed, a sheet was placed up as a divider between the rooms. The sheet also was used to separate them from the kids 
when their physical needs arose and demanded attention. Then this was a day like other days, sunny, mild, and sticky. The summers in St. Louis were like ovens, and the humidity was always the winner in matters of weight reduction. Sharp watched Percy play on the sidewalk near him. As he leaned back on his arms to look at heaven and curse the heat, he heard the sound. Prissy had scampered out into the street. Screams stopped the cursing. He was making and he jerked his head forcefully forward. Look out, girl, came the voice from behind Sharp's head. Little girl, little girl, repeated the voice louder and louder. Like a speeding train without control, the car was speeding at his child. Fear gripped his gut. Pain seized his head. Every emotion started to act independently. Nothing in his body worked in concert with each other. Prissy played as most children do, as if all their life awaited them. Her smile was radiant against the sun as she looked at her father with a simple but innocent grin on her face. She held both hands toward him and played her favorite game of gimme. What is it that grips people in time of danger? Why do some shout and others react? He moved with the speed provided him by the sky he had just cursed. Without thought, with only Prissy in his view, he ran as he had never done before because there was never such an occasion before. How he picked her up and threw her, he never knew what happened afterwards. She flew up in the air, landed on the grass-packed sidewalk, and rose slowly on the ground. She stood slowly on shaky legs, smiled at him as only she could, and stretched her fingers to him as if to say, More, more. The car had made a sound like a hard object hitting pliable bones it hit. The car had thrown him several yards. He could only raise his head. At that moment, only his eyes were needed to verify that the smile he had come to love was still in place on his daughter's face. It was. And then he went to sleep. Months later, as they walked down the street together, she would outrun him. He would always let her. He had to. The car had forever crippled him. Wait until he saw the boys, he thought to himself. This was easily the wound he received in the war when he saved the army general's daughter from the enemy. End of part two.